wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? Good stuff. It is Monday, October 19th, 2020. And today I have a very, very, very special episode for you guys. It's rare that you're sure to get to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, but as I told y'all quite a while ago, that the G1 Climax would be discussed. And today is that. Day. We are fresh off of the G1 Climax Finals weekend, and boy am I happy to be talking about this one. The G1 Climax is a special place in my heart, as y'all know. I've been a Ranger Pitbull stand for over four years now, ever since the New Year's Thousand we've had an active meeting back in 2016 for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and the G1 Climax most special place in my heart, as well as one of the most prestigious tournaments, if not the most prestigious tournament in the professional wrestling world today. The Great One Climax has concluded, and we finally can talk about who ended up being Mr. G1. Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I think that the that was G1 Climax Finals weekend. Y'all know what I'm getting those around you, Dr. John Patreon.com forward slash Wrestling Radio 17 cents a day, y'all. 
people get too much in this world in terms of the economy. It really be like that sometimes. It's just much easier to joke gum, which last time I checked, at least cost you a quarter. But for 17 cents a day through Patreon, you can get a lot of exclusivity that you will not get anywhere else, including being a part of an exclusive group chat. Talk to patrons such as Kavita, Quarantine Gene himself, Wiggles, Almi, another mother in the UK, Jermaine Lang, Slack, and all the other patrons in our squadron. Appreciate the love support patrons always. And you can talk to all the members of Westmatic Radio, including myself, as well as you get to listen to exclusive shows you will not be able to listen to outside of Patreon programming. Shows such as Love and War, Francis Bay 5, and of course my podcast, the Superfiles Podcast, where you won't know title, won't even know topic until you press play. And of course, I think this is the most important one. When you go on any of our Teespring stores, whether it be the original War Store, whether it be the uh, HBIC store, whether it be the, of course, the YLB store, my collection, over on teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lines dash perspective, any of the stores, the Pride collection, the Pool collection, Fretzelmania, the Light collection, any of those stores, you'll be able to have an exclusive code that will get you 15% off every single time you check out. Wonderful discount. Get that every single time you check out. So I guess 17 cents a day can go a little further than you thought. Patreon.com forward slash WrestleAddictRadio. 17 cents a day, equating to $5 a month, will get you all that access and more. Consider becoming a member of the Patreon squad today. Now let us get into talking about the G1 Climax Finals weekend. And... This is probably one of the biggest weekends of the wrestling calendar in general, not just of, you know, that this particular month, of the entire wrestling year. If you, of course, if you're a connoisseur of, you know, professional wrestling outside of WWE and AEW, but if you are, then this tournament should be right up your alley. If you watched a good portion of it, let me know your thoughts on uh, what you what you thought of G1 Climax Finals Weekend. Uh, you can email me over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts, your comments, what you thought of today's episode, and all that good stuff. But overall, to me personally, this weekend, this particular weekend, um, was a very, very, very nice... Uh, weekend of tournament action um, with the A Block um, finals matchups, the a, the B Block finals matchups, and of course the tournament final uh, in particular, which we'll be talking about. Won't talk about much about um, the card of of Sunday uh, for the most part. I'll talk about a little bit about it, but there are only focal points that we need to focus on. That I'm going to focus more on uh, more of the Friday Saturday fair as well as my overall view of the tournament itself. That's what we'll be talking about in, the, in, this, in this first segment of the show. Then I'll give you my thoughts on the entire weekend itself, the coverage. Then I'll wrap it up with a nice little bow on top, give you my match of the weekend, 
my MVP of the weekend, and of course, my final grade for G1 Climax Finals weekend. So let's just start with the my overview, my thoughts of everything, the stuff on the outside of, of just the wrestling things. The G1 Climax not only delivers on the top quality matches throughout the tournament, of which there were actually two that I know of so far that have received at least a five-star rating in this tournament. I believe those two matches were um, Ibushi and Suzuki. Uh, what was it? I think it's was it Takagi Suzuki? trying to think. It was either um, I know Abushi Suzuki got a 5-2-5 rating and I believe Okada and Takagi um, got a 5-star rating as well. So that lets you know of the quality of the tournament so far. But they probably came through with fantastic storytelling as well, which is what I truly enjoy about the tournament big time. Um, that's what I really love about this tournament. Not only did they just, it wasn't just only like a tournament, they're just going to have a tournament, like just have a tournament matches and all that. They really came through with storytelling that will honestly, will easily run through the rest of 2020 as we head into Wrestle Kingdom 15, of which I will talk about uh, a big announcement that they made later on in today's episode. Two big storylines that were, that were going into this weekend were, of course, one, Kota Ibushi's journey to not only repeat as a G1 Climax winner for the first time since Hiroshi Tenzan did, I believe back in the early 2000s, but to become the first man to ever compete in three consecutive G1 Climax finals. It had never been done before in the 30 years of the G1 Climax. Masahiro Chona, five-time winner, never did it. I believe he won 91, 92, 94... 02 and 05. Uh, Hiroshi Tenzan won two, and he won those back-to-back years, but he made consecutive finals, but never three. So Ibushi's Ibushi's main journey was to get to the G1 Climax Final. I'll discuss that more in the next segment as to uh, his true um, motivation as to why he wanted to be a part of a third consecutive G1 Climax Final. I'll discuss that in the next segment. The other big storyline going into this weekend was the, uh, the possible infighting between Bullet Club members Evil and Jay White throughout the tournament, and who would be the one to lead the faction going forward. The story as goes, I believe it was um, Kenta taking on Evil in uh, the early stages of the B-Block tournament, side of the tournament. Um, usually amongst stable, amongst faction members, um, if there was sort of a hand gesture, they do like the LIJ's fist bump, um, chaos fist bump, anything like that. Or if the Bullet Club's too sweet, um, that they usually now do upside down. Um, Kenta it was going for, of course, the too sweet. But Evil and Dick Togo, too sweetie each other, but didn't include Kenta, which made Jay White feel some type of way, which is why Jay White and Evil. We're starting to be at odds, and throughout the tournament, they were giving each other a little, like, little bit, little bitty mind fucks um, throughout this tournament. So it was kind of like a tit for tat, um, smack talking, and throughout this. Now Jay White, as the leader, as the current leader of the of the Bullet Club, that was kind of the whole thing going between these two. Now there's a bit of dissension 
Now, as we get as we leave the uh, G one climax, that we're starting to close the chapter on that. But that was kind of those were kind of the two big storylines that we had going into finals weekend. What we cut, what we had going, and what happened throughout was the a lot more storylines that we had going throughout the weekend. I'll discuss that as well in today's episode. We also found out during um, this finals weekend, huge announcements uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. November and December are going to be stacked with big shows. They don't call them pay-per-views, they call them big shows. It, this is November and December are going to be jam-packed as we begin the road to Wrestle Kingdom 15 this January. Of course, we're going to get Power Struggle, which is usually the one pay-per-view uh, big show that we get in November. Usually, um, if we weren't having a fall G1 Climax, we would be having uh, G1 would end in August. Uh, Destruction would happen in September. King of Pro Wrestling would happen in October, and Power Struggle would happen in November before we head into World Tag League. With what was supposed to happen with the Tokyo Olympics this year, which unfortunately got postponed due to the coronavirus uh, pandemic, New Japan, we're going to get on November 7th. Make sure we write that down. I believe the road to Power Struggle starts on the 23rd, which will give uh, NGPW uh, the roster a little bit of time to rest up. Uh, especially Abushi, who, who went through hell uh, this weekend. And I'll discuss that later on in today's uh, episode. Like I said, this is a follow King of Pro Wrestling. What was the bigger announcement coming out of the intermission? I believe this happened on, I think we found out about this on Friday. And then they've repeated it again on Saturday. For the first time ever, at least I know of in the history of NGPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be running both the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament at the same exact time. And this is going to be from November 15th through December 11th with the finals of both the World Tag League and the Best of Super Juniors happening on the same day. That is huge. That is absolutely huge. Never before have we seen these two tournaments run together. Usually, Best of Super Juniors will be happening in May. We'll be running through April, the middle of April, through the beginning of May. And the final would be before Dominion. I know that would be happening the week before Dominion happens on Dominion Sunday. Uh, I believe, no, I, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, Best of Super Juniors will be happening in May middle of May, end in June. Kind of the same same concept as G1 Climax, just for the junior heavyweights. But with the pandemic, they had to cancel a lot of their shows. They canceled uh, the one in March, uh, the anniversary show in April. And May got, and of course, the uh, Best of Super Juniors, unfortunately, got um, canceled as well. So... With that loss comes the big game for New Japan Wrestling. We're going to get two big tournaments um, for the tag team division and the junior heavyweights wrapped up into one. Now, from what I've read, they're going to alternate days. I believe the um, first day off rip is going to be a preview preview show. 
um, showcasing the both uh, the junior heavyweight and tag team divisions. Uh, well, the he- this is more so the heavyweight tag team divisions. And we'll get that showcased there. Then, from there on out, I believe from the 16th until the final, we'll be at alternating days for World Tag League and for Best of Super Juniors. So, this is huge. So, for us, for NGPW stands around the world, you're getting two big tournaments for the price of one, and this is going to be insane. So, I will try my best to keep up with it as much as I possibly can. Unfortunately, y'all know... I do adult. I have to do adulting. So, I'll, like I said, I'll try my best to keep up with both um, as best as I possibly can. I can't promise anything, but I'll do my best. Scouts on all of that. To most NJPW newbies, for the most part, newbies will simply focus on the A and B blocks, which is perfectly fine. I understand it. It makes the most sense. You're going to focus on both blocks because, well, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in for this tournament, big time. And that's perfectly fine. Again, this was a this was a tournament that lasted literally an entire month, 30 days. Okay? So if, if you miss a day, you just check up on the results, keep up with it, that's perfectly fine. It's just as hard for me to keep up with it as it is for you. So this is your if this was your first G1 climax. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it, and if you, and if you, this was your first, uh, G1, if a friend, um, recommended it to you, or gave you their password for NGPW World, let me know your thoughts, let me know your, how, what your experience was, did you, did you watch the weekend, um, what were your favorite matches throughout, if you were able to catch any of the shows, play them back, anything like that, I'll probably be playing some back, because I do want to see that Takagi, uh, Ibushi match, and I definitely want to see the, uh, no, Takagi Okada match, and Abushi Suzuki apparently were was what Meltzer, Meltzer called the best G1 Climax match he has ever seen. So I have to watch that to see if that actually lives up to the hype. Because if it does, then that may end up being part, possibly a match of the year candidate if that is the case. We'll find out oh, uh, from there. But there is an unofficial C block that... Run, that happened throughout the entire tour between Young Lions, um, Yoda Suji, Yuya Uemura, and Gabriel Kidd. Uh, all three of them were in were involved in their own unofficial C block that was actually made uh, about uh, two or three years ago um, by David Finley of all people. He had created the C block. Uh, it, it's kind of like a. It's kind of like I said, it's an unofficial block, so it doesn't really matter in terms of things, but. This is kind of like those, you know, rising star, young lions, the young boys, you know, that are still in the dojos, still working their way up, trying to get experience. Usually they would be involved in um, tag matches of some sort during uh, preview shows. And but this time around, there were no preview matches or anything of the sort. Literally this time around, it did alternating days for the A and B blocks. Which, me personally, I actually prefer that over the preview matches. Because then it gives um, it gives them a bit more rest in between. And you, you actually get a full day's rest in between your matches. And you actually get to game plan a little bit more for your opponent. Which works out well for everyone surrounding you. So all three of them had were able to face each other throughout the entire tour. 
Um, I believe it was 10 matches across the board. And I believe Suji was the one who won the unofficial C-Block G1 version. So I believe Suji, um, I think it was 4-3-1, and one, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I could get wrong with the... Uh, with the numbers, and if you guys, if you like I said, if you know, if you know the actual numbers, send them to me, youngliesperspective at gmail.com. Let me know the official results, just in case I don't get a chance to actually check them out for you. But this is actually, a, this is actually a very good opportunity for the young lions to be able to get some experience throughout. Granted, you're facing the same opponents multiple times, but this is a way to actually learn new techniques, new moves, try to surprise your opponents throughout the entirety, and be able to kick off the show and get the crowd going. So that's that's a win in and of itself, if you honestly do think about it. That's a, that's crazy. I watched the uh, I watched Gabriel, Gabriel Kid twice. Um, he had matches both on Friday and Saturday. Uh, a match against Suji, which Suji straight up dominated Kid throughout. And then you, uh, Amora and Kid faced off to kick off the show on Saturday which Gabriel Kidd got a win back. And I actually thought it was a good match. All three of them performed quite well. Um, Suji, of course, won that. Uh, now, the trophy itself um, is kind of a weird one. It's literally a thumbs up um, that David Finley did. And he, like I said, he was the first winner of it. So it kind of stuck uh, throughout. It was kind of a, it's a kind of a gimmick thing that uh, the NGBW crew got going on now. And it kind of stuck. So... Finley, what Finley did in 2018, 2017, 2018, I can't remember which year, um, won, won the majority of his matches, and he felt that he deserved the trophy for winning the block. Um, so it became a thumbs-up trophy. It's a little trophy, but a trophy nonetheless. And that's how he won the block. So it stuck. So Suji this year won the unofficial C block. So, But Suji, I have to say, all three of them performed quite well. I was very happy with all three. I have been big fans of the Young Lions uh, for quite some time, and also the inspiration of, y- of the YLP podcast as a whole, uh, the Young Lions perspective. So that kind of has a, they have a special place in my heart for sure, as most of the roster in NJPW were Young Lions at some point. And if you think I'm wrong, you can definitely check that out. Even Tanahashi himself was a Young Lion. Most a good portion of them were are, are outsiders, Gaijin. But a good por- a good good portion of them came through the dojo system. Um, guys like Juice Robinson, guys like Gabriel Kidd, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was a young line at one point. Okada, Tanahashi. Let me think. Who else? Who else? You know, Naito, Ibushi. No, Ibushi actually wasn't. Ibushi was an outsider actually. Um, Takahashi, I think was no, he wasn't. He was an outsider. I think Suzuki at one point, no, he was Suzuki was an outsider. But there are a good portion of the NGPW uh, roster that were at, at some point, at one point or another, actual young lions. So they went through the grind, paid their dues, gained experience, and started getting their thing, going through excursions and doing their thing. Um, so it's a beautiful thing to see that. And from what Kevin Kelly had talked about, this is one of those things where they gained a hell of a lot of experience. And they were able to, you know, face each other over and over again. Now, Gabriel Kidd um, was the only one out of the L.A. dojo to be a part of this. So even though there are, you know, guys like um, Connor, excuse me, you know, um, Carl Fredericks, Connor Clark, two of the more prominent names in the L.O. dojo, as well as Gabriel Kidd. Kidd was the only one out of the dojo 
to be able to have experience throughout this. And he and Suji had a good back and forth. You and and Kid, I think, was better. Suji is going to be the one that's going to be going on excursion very soon, which I'm very excited about because Suji's going to be a beast. Um, so usually, once you are granted excursion, you are able to go out, branch out into the uh, rest of the wrestling world. Um, right now, we have COVID going on, so most countries will not be opening up their uh, traveling plans um, for the most part. But once they do, I think Suji will be the next one to go in excursion and be able to, you know, gain more experience outside of the realm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to like a Rev Pro or a Ring of Honor. Oh, Hanari. Someone Hanari actually was a young line at one point. And that dude's a fucking beast. Holy shit. That dude's a beast. Oh, oh man. That guy, I like, I like Hanari. He was, he was a really good young line. Um, there were a lot of guys, you know, just doing that. So, Suji, I think, will get excursion very, very soon. And once he does, like I said, he'll be able to branch out and be able to gain experience outside, learn new styles, be, uh, earn his character, become, you know, learn, learn, learn himself more, gain experience. And then when he comes back from excursion, which could be for quite, it could be a couple months to about a year, who knows? Um, one more recently, uh, the great Okan, uh, formerly known as Tomiyuki Oka actually just came back from excursion. I'll discuss that more. So in the next segment, he went on excursion and was in Rev Pro, where the English squadron. And I think uh, my homie Jermaine, uh, if you're listening to this out there, um, if you're if you if you are a Rev Pro guy, let me know uh, what your thoughts were about Great Ocon. Because um, from what I saw personally, he was well received by the English crowd. So that's just my, what I saw during his couple appearances that I had seen in Rev Pro. So. Keep that in mind next year when we talk about uh, G1 Climax again, and you'll and then when you hear, when you hear about the C Block again, you'll understand. You'll know they'll talk about it, and you'll understand a little bit more who's going to be involved with that. What one can appreciate about this tournament is how the Japanese crowd adapted to the COVID nineteen protocol throughout this tournament. Now, in order for all of this to take place, now mind you, usually. G1 Climax Tournament mat cards are packed to the gills. With the protocol, though, they started off, I believe, with uh, just the uh, early show back in March, April, uh, with the New Japan Cup. Keeping it strictly within the New GPW roster with heavyweights, junior heavyweights, and the Young Lions, because they weren't allowed to permit anyone into the country, which is perfectly fine. And, um... I believe they started at 25% capacity. Uh, at some point, from what I've been hurt, what I've been reading, it'll be up to 50%. If everything's still good then, they'll go up to 75 And at some point, they'll be back to full capacity crowds. Now, with six matches on the card for the weekend, the NGPW staff, after the third match on the card, cleaned and disinfected the ring after the third match. Usually, there would be an intermission throughout the entire shows. So it wouldn't be that much of an issue to actually be able to, you know, have an intermission. Um, the announcers talk about what's going on throughout the shows, what's going to be looking, what we're looking forward to for the remainder of the card. 
This same thing happened, but this time around, they would be cleaning and disinfecting the rings. The NJPW of the Young Lions would be actually the ones cleaning and disinfecting the ring to ensure the safety of the professional wrestlers. And, of course, sweat, ill. Y'all know how that goes. Here's a unique point. Here was a unique one, actually. Crowds were not allowed to yell or scream at any point. What the Japanese felt was that if fans were yelling and screaming and making noise, that the particles from their mouth will be will be you know emitting from their mouths will be spreading, and you know that would uh, cause the particles to surround everybody, everybody, everybody get coronavirus, and then we can't run shows. So be it. So Japanese adopted that. They took all of it in, but they could clamp, clap. They could stomp their feet, and they could use noisemakers throughout the tournament. Uh, I believe Kevin Kelly said on Sunday. No, Saturday's show. At one point, the crowd was still hot. Even though they couldn't yell or scream, noisemakers were being used. They were going nuts at Osaka Joe Hall, from what I had heard. I hadn't seen it. But from what I saw um, on day five, personally, they were still making noise regardless. On uh, Saturday's show with Juice Robinson, you know, he was still getting the crowd hyped up just through stomping their feet and clapping their hands. So noise could still be made even though you couldn't yell or scream, which is always cool. And it was a very unique way of them doing it. So even following quarantine, uh, COVID-19 protocol, they were still, there was still a way for fans to create noise throughout the shows. Fans adopted it. They're like, you know what? So be it. If that's what we got to do to ensure the safety of the shows, they're fine with it. They're very, really good with that. And it's very strict guidelines too. Very disciplined uh, by the Japanese crowd. So, I mean, over here in the States, I know with AEW, um, you know, masks are being worn, but it's a lot. It's social distancing. Um, everybody's in their own little area and 10, 10, I believe 15% capacity throughout uh, Daily's Place. So they were able to have that and still have shows with fans, which is a good thing. And the crowd, even though it was a smaller capacity, it still looked big to me. I actually like the crowd size. It looked big to me. So it didn't really mess with me any bit. It's just when you can't yell or scream, but you still find other ways to actually be able to make your noise, it does help for the wrestlers, too. It really does. So even even though they couldn't yell or scream, you know, chant, anything like that, they still made enough noise to get the wrestlers having that energy and still producing good matches throughout the weekend, which is always a win in and of itself. Now... From all the G1 tournaments that I've watched since 2016, this tournament, in particular to me, had the highest stakes during a finals weekend. The A block, going into its final day, had four participants, Okada, Ibushi, White, and Osprey, all tied up in points, going into their final day on Friday. The B Block had three participants still in the running going into their final day on Saturday. Usually, from what I have seen, it would usually be down to about two, one, like maybe two, or maybe the block is pretty much one, or, you know, somebody's already got the block locked up. Storyline, before storyline purposes and all that stuff. But for this particular tournament, they've really wanted to ramp up on the drama. 
Like I said, Ibushi, Osprey, Okada, and White were all tied up. I believe all of them were tied up at 10. No. Mm. Hold on. Let me do math. I believe they're all tied up at 10, if I'm not mistaken. Okada and Osprey were going to face off. One was going to be eliminated throughout. Uh, Ibushi was facing. Damn. White was facing Ishii. Ibushi was facing Tai Chi in their final matches. So, in, so at that point, the winner of the loser of Osprey Okada was was mathematically eliminated from getting to the final. If, if Ibushi beat Tai Chi and White lost to Ishii, Ibushi made the final. If Ibushi and White both lost or drew, and Osprey won, Osprey goes to the final. All White had to do at that point, if I'm not mistaken, was win. That's all White had to do. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, White beat Abushi earlier on in the tournament. So all Jay White had to do was win. And he was in. A winning in scenario, very simple stuff. In terms of the B block, the scenarios were kind of, kind of the same. Naito... Uh, had 10, and I believe Sonata and Evil had 12. For Evil, who had beaten both, uh, who had beaten Naito, all he had to do was beat Sonata on the last day in order to make the final, a win and in situation. Sonata, on the other hand, had to have Naito lose and beat Evil. For Naito, I believe Evil and Sonata had to have drawn or Evil had to lose. And he had to beat, he had to beat Kenta and hope for Evil and Sonata to be a draw or for Evil to lose. A lot of scenarios, a lot of word salad there, but those were the scenarios that we had going into it. What had happened was Osprey beat Okada, and I'll discuss more on that in the next segment as well. We'll talk about the major focal points from the weekend. So Okada got mathematically eliminated from it. Osprey had the shot. He had the in, at that point kind of had the inside track. As long as Ibushi and White lost, Ibushi and Tai Chi, Ibushi defeated Tai Chi in what was a straight up. If you love, if you I'll put it this way, if you love K one, if you love kickboxing or anything like that, this was your match. This was your match. Now I'll explain why later on in today's episode. But Ibushi defeated Tai Chi in the matchup. So by proxy, by, by proxy of that happening, um, I believe Osprey then was out mathematically. He was out. So that left Jay. It was all on Jay White. All Jay White had to do was beat Ishii, and he would make it to the final. Unfortunately for Mr. Jay White, that was not the case. Ishii defeated Jay White in the main event of the A block. That allowed, that gave Ibushi the 12 points. Jay White had 10. I believe Osprey had 12, but since Osprey lost to Ibushi, Ibushi was the one to gain entry into the final. On the B block side, Naito went one-on-one against Kenta. In a, uh, I believe their second match, uh, their first match since February, uh, when Kenta challenged Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight and um, Intercontinental Championships. 
Unfortunately for Naito, his hopes of making it to the final were dashed. And Kenta defeated Naito. So it all came down to Sonata and Evil, who for the first, who would face each other for the very first time. They had never faced each other until that point. And well, this would be the first. Or should I say this would be the first time they faced each other since Evil defected from Lij. And that match was a damn good one. It was a very, very solid matchup, and I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. In the end, after a hard-fought battle, some interference from Dick Togo, and, of course, with the help of L.I.G. stablemate Hiromu Takahashi, Sonata found his place in the final, defeating Evil. Earned the points, got the bridge, got the pinfall, and he won his block. With 14 points to Evil's 12, Naito's 10. So, this was huge. So, we now are at the final between Kota Ibushi and Sonata. Now, when we come back, I'm going to discuss all of the uh, major focal points that you should focus on in terms of the matches of the weekend. And then, of course, y'all know... I'll be handing out a couple of awards and, of course, handing out my final grade for this G1 Finals, G1 Climax Finals weekend for episode 263 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. And now... Everybody's got a price, got a price. for WrestleLotic Radio. <laughs> Hi, peeps. Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast here. I want to encourage you to join our Patreon for only five bucks a month, where you get access to a great chat with a bunch of amazing, amazing people. You get shows, exclusive shows such as Fretz's Fave 5 and the 20 Bell Salute from yours truly. You get Willie T's Wrestle Wars. You get King Ricky's Ring Shape and Watch the Throne. You get Mance's Delight Curview Reviews. Nate's Fantasy Booking. Oh, and that's not all. You get 15% off our merch on our Teespring store. You get an exclusive code. You get all that. And so much more if you join our Patreon on Wrestle Attic Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast. T-shirts and V-necks and sweatshirts and stickers, hoodies and tote bags and socks. Blankets and pillows and onesies for babies, face masks, fanny packs, mugs. From YLP, Willie T, and King Ricky Rose, plus Kate Murphy, the HBIC, Mr. Fretz and Nate. And don't forget our delightful friend, the one and only Mance. Cause we are war with the Teespring store, please give our merch a chance.
episode 263 of the YLP podcast talking about what would be considered the good, the bad, and the ugly that was G1 Climax Finals weekend going over what went down. And now we're going to get into the match side of things. Now, last thing when I gave you the overview of everything that was going on in terms of my thoughts and everything that went down the weekend, now I'm going to get into some of the matches that I thought would be good focal point to keep your eyes on, especially with everything we got going forward into the remainder of 2020 as we head into uh, Wrestle Kingdom season, which pretty much has already begun as of the end of yesterday's final between Kota Ibushi and Sanada. But before I get into that, y'all know I gotta talk about Teespring.com. More importantly, my Teespring.com store teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lions dash perspective y'all know y'all can give y'all fresh ass my lp merch over there of course getting into the fall and winter seasons it's a little nippy up here in the northeast so you want to make sure you get some of those uh, ylp hoodies and those pullover sweaters but we still have of course the t-shirts and the tank tops for the fellas for the ladies and uh boyfriend tees flowing tank tops the leggings that's for that's for the ladies and of course the my fellas you know, I'm looking out for y'all, as well as uh, t-shirts for the uh, young cubs out there, the kids and toddlers uh, that represent the YLP universe, as well as accessories like coffee mugs, tapestries, beach towels, organic, you know, tote bags, stickers, socks, and all that good stuff, and of course, the two newest items, with the women's premium V-neck shirts, and of course, the YLP face mask, covers the entire nose and mouth. Of course, being important in time, we're still having to go into buildings with face masks and face coverings. So why not represent the YLP universe proudly with a YLP face mask? And in doing so, you'll be doing yourself a service to a good cause. Every sale of the YLP face mask, one dollar will be uh, donated to a nonprofit that will help those children in need hunger. I have three nieces and nephews, two nieces. One nephew. I usually know where the next meal is coming from, but there are some children out there who don't. And unfortunately, there are some there are some nights where they go to bed hungry, and uh, they sometimes they go they, they go they're not able to have that breakfast. You know? And of course, with schools being uh, having virtual learning, some that schools that usually would offer breakfast to students, they're not getting a proper nutritious breakfast, possibly not a nutritious dinner as well. And we here at Russell Addict Radio always like to support a very good cause. Of course, we did our uh, work with the Trevor Project back in June, and that was a really good success. And we still have this ongoing with the face mask as well. Again, a dollar from every sale will be donated to a nonprofit who works with children in hunger. So, not only are you representing the YLP universe, you're also donating to a very solid cause. Again, $14.99 for the mask. Excuse me. But every a dollar from every single sale will be donated to that nonprofit organization. Always hope for a good cause, and that's what we do with Wrestling Addicts Radio. So, make sure you head over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lines dash perspective. And when you do, when you get yourself some merch, make sure you take a picture of it and Make sure you tag your boy in it on my Twitter at YL Perspective. Or you can tag me over on my Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. And um, we'll be, maybe, maybe we'll be able to use those pictures if you allow us, of course. For a Fashion Friday hashtag on our Twitter and our Instagram. 
and that would just be a beautiful thing there. Not only would be representing the YLP universe, you'd be representing Wrestle Addict Radio as a whole. And of course, if you are a patron, or if you're interested in becoming a patron, you'll be able to use an exclusive code that will get you 15% off every single time you go onto our Teespring stores and buy from there using that exclusive code. So it's incentive both ways. And, of course, if you get the face mask, you're donating to a great cause. Make sure you head over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash young dash lions dash perspective and get yourself some beautiful YLP merch today. And also, it makes a great effing gift, especially since we're getting ready and go into the holiday season. Uh, I know y'all Black Friday shoppers out there would rather stay home like myself, like my family for the most part. So why not make it easy on yourself? Give the gift of swag and beautiful merch telling you great gift i'm telling you it's a great gift thank me later you're welcome now let us get into the second half of the good the bad and the ugly now in terms of the match quality of the weekend i have to say from beginning to end match quality on point every in terms of more in terms of the I had to take some more there. I'm sorry. My apologies. In terms of the match quality, at least for the A block and B block matchups, of course, there were going to be some matches that weren't the best, but they were really, really... I enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed all of the matches um, in terms of the weekend. Very, very happy. Um, all good with that. So, in terms of match quality, I wasn't mad at it. One, Not at all. Really good matches throughout. Ibushi Tai Chi, fantastic. JY Ishii, good. Um, Tanahashi Zack Sabre Jr., really, really good. Again, a lot of storylines that were going on in the months prior to the G1 Climax really kind of tor- like turned over into the tournament itself. So when you have matches like a Tanahashi and a Zack Sabre Jr., um, those two were part of a feud um, Tanahashi was uh, tag team champ, the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions with Tanahashi for quite some time before Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr., known as the Dangerous Techers, took the titles away from them. So you had Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi in one block, Ibushi and Tai Chi in another. So you're kind of incorporating those feuds there. So it really adds up overall. You had Takagi and you had uh, Minoru Suzuki in the same block. Um, they were fighting over the Never Openweight Championship. Um, I believe Suzuki was the one who took the type Never Openweight Championship away from Shingo Takagi at uh, the Summer Struggle in Jangu Stadium earlier in, uh, late in the summer. So there was there's a lot of storylines that went into it, which makes for even uh, better quality matches because of the storylines that go behind it. That wasn't a point on any part of my list. I just wanted to make sure you guys know that if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna play back G1 Climax matches from um, this, this tournament, I honestly have to say, when you and even there are matches that didn't have storylines involved, a match like uh, Suzuki and Ibushi, um, which what Dave Meltzer said was the greatest G1 Climax match he's ever seen, um, that's quality. That could literally change, make the difference between that match being on the top 10 match of the year list, and it may not. Uh, Okada versus Takagi got five stars from Dave Meltzer. And that could mean the difference between, you know, that being being on a match of the year candidate list or not. It's a beautiful thing when you can get matches from this tournament and you can really get some of the best stuff that most people may not even watch because they're not New Japan fans or they don't know about New Japan as a whole. So I just want to throw that out there before we get into 
uh, the remainder of my point focal points um, from this past weekend. Ladies and gentlemen of the YLP universe, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. G1. The Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. For 35 minutes and 12 seconds, he went to battle with Sonata in an effort to become what he said he was going to become. In his efforts, he just he felt in his mind with Ibushi, I'm speaking about Ibushi, his main goal going into the G1 was to become a god. Now, I know that to some of you, that would probably be like, oh, so he's trying to be JBL. To which I would reply, no, and B, no. Um, more so along the lines of the, the, the one stat that really stuck out to me. I think it's a hell of a stat. Think of it like sports players in the United States, right? It's hard to win a championship as a team in and of itself, right? It's even harder to repeat. Especially in the NFL, the NBA, in any sport, any major sport, period, right? Hard to win a championship, even much harder to repeat. As of yesterday, Ibushi became the first man in NJPW history to ever reach three consecutive G1 Climax Finals. That is a feat no one has ever done. Not even not even Tenzan, not even Masahiro Chono himself, who is literally known as Mr. August. We all know uh, Derek Jeter is uh, Mr. November. Uh, Reggie Jackson's Mr. October. But Masahiro Chono is uh, known as Mr. August because he won five of them things. Okay. So, in terms of that, that third time winning it. Now, 2018, made it to the final against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Unfortunately, he lost. 2019, gets back into the final against Jay White. Wins it all. And then we go into that whole uh, weekend against uh, the the Gold Rush four-man tournament uh, with him, Naito, Jay White, and uh, Kazuchika Okada, which Naito pretty much won the entire thing, all or nothing. He defeated uh, Ibushi to win the Intercontinental, I believe, to win the Intercontinental Championship, beat Okada to become the new IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And now this year, he defeated Sonata to become the new, well, I should say, again, the first time to ever get three consecutive finals, first, and, and has become the first man to repeat since Hiroyoshi Tenzan did it back in 2003-2004. And that was Tenzan's only two G1 Climax victories in his career. The first time in 16 years someone has repeated. That is a feat in and of itself. In those 16 years, Masashiro Tono won it the year after. Um, Tenzan did. <clears throat> Tenzan then won it his third in 2006. Then uh, Tanahashi in 07, Goto in 08, Makabe Togi. Uh, well, Togi Makabe, but Makabe Togi, fuck yeah. 09, Kojima wins it in 2010. 
Shinsuke Nakamura gets 2011. Okada won his first of two um, in 2012. Naito takes his in 13. Okada wins it again in 14. Tanahashi wins his second in 2015. Omega then 16. Naito 17. Tanahashi wins his third in 2018 over Ibushi. And now Ibushi has won the last two. That is some damn good territory to be in. Again, third time winning the champ, third time in the final, finally repeating for the first time in 16 years. That's a hell of a feat. It's a hell of a feat. So his his mission now, now that he has won the G1 climax, is to become a god, a capital G god in professional wrestling. The way he's going about it, though, is pretty solid. He's trying to show the world a different style of professional wrestling. The way he sees it. That pro wrestling is just what I do. And I'm trying to show my style to the entire world. Which, hey, Kota Bushi, I, for my money personally, one of the best in the planet has to offer. Offer? Really? Words are hard. One of the best in the planet has to offer. And that's being as real as it gets. Ibushi is the real deal. Okay? He's a beast. And, he, and he's shit. I mean, him and Omega back in the back about a year or so ago? The Golden Lovers? If Omega stayed in NJPW, I guarantee you they'd be running shit in its heavyweight tag team division. And I guarantee you they would be the favorites going into World Tag League right now. That's being as real as it gets. Ibushi now, honestly, is truly coming into his own. And that's just honestly my opinion. For the last three or four years, he really has gotten into his own. He's really come into the forefront. I think his coming out party was really Wrestle Kingdom 14. Now, he, did he, he lost both of his matches that weekend. It was a terrible weekend for him. Lost his match to uh, Naito in an effort to get the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And Lost to Jay White on day two in a, uh, I guess, a third third place matchup, if that's what you want to call it. Bad way to kick off the campaign. But now, as of uh, October, 9th, October 19, 2020, he is now re- a repeat champion in the G1 and will be going for his third next year and his fourth consecutive final. That in a bad way uh, to kill about nine months. Okay. Now, will I say that this was the best G1 Climax, you know, finals match that I've seen personally in the last four or five that I've seen? No, not not even close. But what I will say, though, Sonata had his best performance I have seen to date. Ever since he joined LIJ, this was the best performance I have personally seen. Sonata's got, Sonata's got it. I mean, when Evil left LIJ, that was his tag team partner. Let's keep that above. He had to defeat his own former tag team partner in order to make it to the final. That in and of itself is a storyline. The man that you ran with, the man that you went to war with, the man that you literally went toe-to-toe with other tag teams with, KES, that war, whew, Jesus. Come on, I'll take a sip for that. Out. 
But seriously. He went to war for that man. He went to war with that man. He was squat. That evil bounces, turns on the leader, Naito, and all of a sudden now you got to go through him to make it to the final. What a hell of a weekend. That's a hell of a weekend. And I'm not going to say that he, you know, Ed, even in a loss, I think Sonata, again, had his best performance, period. Ever. Since he joined New Japan. I think he's done quite well for himself. Compare this man to the days when he was in TNA. That was the thing. Just putting that out there. Some of y'all may not know that. He was, he was a TNA guy. You know who else was? Okada. I bet you, I bet, I bet right now TNA is definitely, um, ooh, they really kind of hate themselves for that, for treating Okada, uh, like Okado, uh, and treating him like a Green Lantern gimmick-ass punk motherfucker. Mm, yeah, we ain't, we ain't gonna talk about that, though. That's a whole different, that's a whole different show in and of itself. We ain't gonna talk about that, though. But the Sonata of then, compared to the Sonata of now, Completely, complete 180, and he has done himself a great service. He is killing it. And I think it's only going to get better for him as we look towards the remainder of 2020 going forward. I can see him gunning for an Intercontinental Championship match. That depending if Naito happens to lose it. Um, anytime soon within between now and 2021. Um, I can see him gunning for never open weight championships. I can see him gunning possibly for a six-man tag title. Um, he has a bright future in NGPW, and Having to beat your former best friend in order to do it, hey, that's a hell of a weekend for me personally. I'll take that. I'll take that to the. I'll take this match to the bank any day of the week. Again, was it the best one I've ever seen? No, that that actually goes to. Uh, let me see. Let's see, was it seventeen, eighteen? Hmm. Kenny Omega's was fire. Naito's was fire too. Tanashi Ibushi was in bed. It's one of those three between 2016 and 2018. 2016's really was good. It was really, really good. Because that was the Okada um, Omega feud. That was crazy. Naito's was nuts, too. It's one of the three. It's right there. But I wouldn't say this was the best um, finals I've seen in the last five years. I wouldn't say that. but Because there are four better than this. Um, I think Abushi's final with Jade White is actually better than uh, the match he had with Sonata this year. Again, I'm not going to play uh, BS games with that. That's perfectly fine. You're not hurting my feelings. But <clears throat> good performance with both. I can't be mad at either. We shall move on now. The Chaos Faction, once again has to deal with a defection in their ranks as the aerial assassin turned on the man he once called his big brother, Kazuchika Okada, after their final A-block match on Friday. That man I am talking about is none other than Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay was uh, in NJPW there about about four factions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bullet Club, Chaos, Suzuki Goon, and L.I. Los Ingobernables de Japón, L.I.J. And then there's, of course, the independent ones that just go to the beat there of their own drum, do their own thing, it beats with a beast. And we don't get mad at them. But defections in 
New Japan are serious matters. They make it that way. Um, when Evil turned on LIJ, this was four years in the making. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, four or five years ago, um, Evil was making his debut with LIJ in the same building that he had to face Sonata in, which I think was Ryo Goku. Will Ospreay having his match with Okada. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the matchup. Really, really good. All of a sudden, uh, Okada has him in the money clip, which is uh, his newest submission finisher. Out comes B. Priestley, the uh, newly released member of the AEW squadron uh, and current SWA champion over in the Stardom promotion. Uh, Just won that a couple weeks ago. Comes out and starts rooting for Osprey, you know, and Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, and uh, Chris Charlton um, were there. And they're wondering, why didn't, she, why didn't she, why didn't she come in out now? Why didn't she second him? Out comes the great Okan, formerly known as Tomoyaki Oka, uh, who was on excursion in Rev Pro uh, over in England. Real ones know, Jermaine, I know you know this man. I know you know this man. The English know. The UK squadron knows. Real ones know. He comes out uh, by distraction by B. Priestley. Grabs Okada by the hair. Hits him with the claw slam. Osprey don't know what's going on. Or so we thought. Picks Okada up. Hits Stormbreaker. Gets the victory. Wins two points. Ruins Okada's chances of making it to the final. Osprey realizes gets the victory, comes out, you know, gets a little kissy kissy from his girlfriend and stuff. Mm-hmm. B. Priestley says something to him. He throws the Rev Pro title down real quick. Comes out, hits the hidden blade on Osprey, and then yells at Okada. And I'm now get this is this is all for the children right here. This is the portion of the program where Mr. YLP himself has to say some very naughty words. If you don't want to hear these naughty words, children, please cover your ears until uh, your mommy or daddy does say it's okay to li- okay to listen to the show again, okay? Earmuffs. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You held me back. Fuck you. Okay, now you can tell them to uh, earmuff it up. We're good. So in that moment, Will Ospreay defects from chaos. Hurting the man that brought him into the faction. Little brother, big brother. And now Ospreay looks to begin his own faction within NJPW. Already starting with, of course, B. Priestley, his girlfriend, his real-life girlfriend, and the great Okan. Now, he and Okan had a match with, uh, a tag match with Okada and show one half of Rapongi 3K um, on Sunday, which um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Osprey defeated, Osprey got the uh, submission on show when he hit with the figure four. And I suspect um, going forward, 
that we will see probably at Power Struggle, Osprey versus Okada, one on one. That's usually how that how that kind of works. Which leads me into my next point, actually. The G1 Climax Final is, of course, the major focal point from yesterday, which is perfectly fine, but it's what happens on the undercard that also sets up everything between now and Wrestle Kingdom 15. And that's probably going to be one of the matches we're going to see at Power Struggle, because right after Power Struggle, we're on the road to uh, World Tag League. So right then and there, I'm assuming that Okan and Osprey will be a tag team in the, heavy, the heavyweight tag team. Um, Okada may have a tag partner. I don't know. Maybe Ishii. Possibly a Goto. I'm not exactly sure. Um, we'll see how that all works out. Okada may just actually fall back and just you know try to figure out you know what the fuck happened to my homeboy. Why he why he play me like that? And that's how that works. But in and of itself, that's one of the major focal points that we're going to be focusing on. Will this happen at Power Struggle on November 7th? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that, for me personally, is actually going to be a great thing to watch on my flight when I go to Denver on uh, November 7th. Listen, uh, some buddies out there and possibly taking care of some business. That's for me to know, and you may be to find out somewhere in 2021. I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get to that point. But that's one of the storylines we're going to be looking at going forward. Other ones, uh, there's about four other ones I think we should keep an eye on going forward. Uh, Hiroyoshi, I can't speak English today, nor can I speak Japanese. Huh. Uh, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi will be challenging Kenta for the IWGP United States Championship Battle Rights Certificate sometime in the near future. Uh, after their eight-man tag. Uh, was it an eight-man tag? It might have been a six. Either way, it was a tag match. Um, after the matchup, Tanahashi kind of... Uh, and Kenta kind of had a little yap yap session, and uh, Kenta was showing him the uh, the crack on the briefcase that he gave Tanahashi after their matchup during the G One. Tanahashi, in a sense, challenged him to a battle rights certificate match. Now, um, Kenta won the briefcase via a eight man tournament off of NJPW Strong, which is kind of the uh, NJPW's. Uh, of America, of America's version of kind of like NXT in a sense, but like a lower tier of it. It's just an extension of NJPW. Um, so that's also cool, which is no problem in my book. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Well, that really no, wasn't really Don't care. But that's going to be one of the matches we're going to be looking at going forward, possibly for Power Struggle. Jay White, after. Um, Kota Ibushi's victory at G1 yesterday during his uh, post-match comments pretty much challenged Ibushi to a one-on-one match for the Battle Rights Certificate. Now, what is the Battle Rights Certificate, you ask? It is given to the winner of the G1 Climax. It's pretty much money in the bank, in a sense. Just their version of it. But instead of a ladder match to determine who gets it and you just hold it for possibly a year, you actually have to earn your way into a main event at Wrestle Kingdom. So, with the Battle Rights Certificate, you pretty much have one or two matches that you have to defend your Battle Rights Certificate at. Most of the time it's two, sometimes it's simply just one. Given the fact that we're going to be going into World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors, I'm going to go with the fact that it's probably going to be one. But after the uh, World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors tournaments, 
We do. We then are on the road to Wrestle Kingdom. So I wouldn't be surprised if before rest, between December 11th and uh, January 4th, um, there will be possibly another match for that Battle Rights Certificate. Usually it would go against guys you lost to in your block matches. Jay White was one of those guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ibushi would have had at least two. Um, I believe there's only one time that I've noticed that there was only one uh, particular uh, Battle Rights Certificate match before Wrestle Kingdom. That This might be that time. It could be one. So Jay White will be the first man to get a crack at taking the Battle Rights Certificate from Ibushi. Now, as far as I know, no man, at least that I've seen, I'm going to knock on wood on that because I kind of want to see Ibushi Naito, um, has ever lost the Battle Rights Certificate going into the main event, going into Wrestle Kingdom, period. So, more often than not, you will see the Battle Rights Certificate holder win his matches and get his wins back, earning, in a sense, quote-unquote, earning his way into the Wrestle Kingdom main event. You win your match, or matches, you're in. Another one will be Shingo Takagi will more than likely be receiving a rematch for Minoru Suzuki's never open weight championship. Of course, I believe he and let me see. Was it him and Bushi? I'm gonna look this up real quick in real time if my freaking laptop actually wanted to act right. There we go. Yeah, he and Hiromu Takahashi actually um, took on Suzuki Goons, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Karamaru. Takahashi hits the uh, time bomb on Karamaru, getting the victory for his squad. So it looks as if that... um, Minoru Suzuki and Takagi will go at it one more time for the uh, Never Openweight Championship. Takahashi looked as if we we're going to be um, going to be getting a challenge between uh, he and more than likely Bushi taking on Yoshiko, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships somewhere down the line, possibly at Power Struggle, possibly at Wrestle Kingdom. Depends on how they want it to play out, but that's also a good thing to look forward to. Um, with the junior heavyweight tag team divisions and, of course, the never open weight title. Takagi, I'd say he's definitely one guy to look out for in 2021. Joining the heavyweight ranks after the best, his best Super Juniors performance 26 last year against Osprey was insane. Immediately after that, he wanted to join the heavyweight ranks. Got his, got his uh, debut in the heavyweight division against Kojima took care of business with that, and then joined the ranks of to, uh, the G1 last year, where he and Osprey became the first junior heavyweights to move up to heavyweight and earn a spot in that, the grade one, which is a big freaking deal um, for that. So now, more than likely, Takagi and Osprey are going to be huge mainstays in the heavyweight division, and it's also like bringing a little bit of life into that as well. Let's see here. And Evil will be looking to become double champion for the second time as he challenges Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Um, right after his tag match 
with, let me see here, Yujiro uh, Takahashi against Bushi and Tetsuya Naito. Um, I believe, let me see, but that doesn't matter the result, honestly. But more so, Evil and Dick Togo attack Tetsuya Naito again. They attack him, and then, of course, he picks up the uh, IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. Pretty much steps on him and holds the belt high in the air. That pretty much uh, let us know that was his challenge to uh, Naito to gain, to regain the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. It's a, challenging for title matches is a little bit different in New Japan, just so you guys know. Um, it could just be person has a match, someone can come out of nowhere and just outright challenge you to a match. Or it could be someone that you have lost to throughout the year and they're coming to claim their shot. So it could be coming from a multitude of angles. You can get a challenge out of any from anybody from anywhere. It's a little, it hits a little different, but I like the way New Japan does it personally. So those are so those are a couple of the matchups we're going to be looking forward to going into Power Struggle. And I believe the road to that starts on October 23rd. So it gives them at least a, like a little bit of a break between now and the beginning of the new tour. And last but certainly not least, speaking of Wrestle Kingdom 15, during the final show, middle of during intermission, NJPW now announced that for the second consecutive year. We will be experiencing a two-day event. My prayers, Savage be blessed. Savage bless us. How in some way, shape, or form was this possible? But with the Tokyo Olympics, of course, going down now in 2021 due to the pandemic, we once again are going to get a two-day event. For Wrestle Kingdom 15. I am excited. I am so excited. The only problem is though, and this 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 is this is tradition for Japan, so we can't be mad. We can't be mad, okay? I checked the calendar. January 4th and January 5th are a Monday and a Tuesday. That's going to ruin a little bit of plans for me. <laughs> I'll figure it out accordingly. I'll keep you guys updated with shows, of course. But the way I kind of initially thought it is that if I'm going to have to watch, because it's Wrestle Kingdom, mind you, for those of you who've been rocking with me since uh, January 6th of this year, this was my first show under the war banner. That was my first legitimate show underneath the war banner. The Wrestle Life Radio family was the first, this was the, my, my review, the good and the bad and the ugly that was Wrestle Kingdom 14 was my first show. And I would be a fool if I didn't cover it again. So it's a matter of, okay, if I do News of the Weekend on a Sunday and I'm fine with that, what happens to that? What happens to last week, this week, that Tuesday, considering the fact that I have to watch both shows on both days? To ensure my sanity. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work. I'll figure something out when we get to that point. 
As of right now, I can't really give you guys a definitive answer. But again, we're going to get another two-day spectacular. Savage blessed us. We are blessed. And that is going to be a fun time to rock with. I can't wait. January 4th, Christmas. Second Christmas, as I like to call it, because it kicks off the year. It's the first legitimate pay-per-view of the year. So, we're going to enjoy that shit. (laughs) But it's all going to be good. It's all going to be great. I can't be mad at it. I can't wait. January 4th, January 5th, Monday and Tuesday. First pay-per-view of 2021. Wrestle Kingdom 15 from the Tokyo Dome. And I can't wait. Plus, the logo is lit. So let me get quickly into my awards and my final grade for the G1 Climax Finals weekend. Well, that's that's my pretty little bow on top here. So usually, y'all know, as my awards, I would do best match of the weekend, worst match of the weekend, my MVP of the entirety of the weekend, and, of course, my final grade. I'm going to take away worst match of the weekend because, literally, that is close to 20 matches I would have to cover for worst match, and I ain't got time for that. So we're just going to keep it strictly two matches of the weekend, finals, uh, G1 Climax Finals Weekend MVP, and then the final grade as a whole. So let us begin with match of the weekend. Now, again, there was close to 20 matches Mr. YLP himself had to choose from, and I had three. There were there were definitely there were there were definitely three. Um, see, I would go honestly if if I were doing a simple uh, top three throughout the weekend, I would honestly go. Let me see, because I already got my number one. It's just a matter of two and three. JY Ishii would technically be four. Honestly, Naito Kenta was fired. Naito Kenta was fire. That was fire. Osprey Okada was fire, too. Even with the ending, it was fire. I enjoyed all that. I enjoyed that. That was really good. But I'm not going to worry about the top three. But there are a few matches throughout the entire weekend that I thoroughly enjoyed. But the one match that honestly takes top honors, and I would say a match that any person who enjoys 158 kicks in one matchup can truly appreciate. And that match would be Kota Ibushi versus Tai Chi in their final A-block match on Friday. That, again, let me say that one more time. 158 kicks. No punches. Not even as much as a head, but 158 kicks. So if you love yourself some kickboxing K1 glory anything of the sort this match is right up your alley. And the reason I picked this is because it's so unique to the fact that me personally I have never seen a match in my life and I've been watching wrestling for about a good, a very good portion, a very good portion of my life. It was at least two decades worth. Uh, take a couple of years here and there, not watching, living in, you know, 
living in sin. Um, 158 kicks, no punches. Sounds right up my alley to me. And honestly, this told a great story, especially for Ibushi going into the G1 Climax final against Sonata. Wonderful storytelling in that. It all tells a story leading up to the final, so it was really, really cool to see that. But yeah, for my money, that was match of the weekend. This was a straight up, I kick you, you kick me, let's see who falls, we stand back up, and we repeat until someone dies. Not literally, figuratively. But yeah, for my money, match of the weekend, hands down. If you like that type of stuff, if you like those type of combat sports, this is this is this will give you a hard on like anything else. No, uh, no, uh, no cap. Um, and um, pause and uh, no homo. Um, getting into my MVP though, there were many of cho- there were many choices, many many choices. Osprey, Coda, Evil Naito, Okada, Kenta had a, had a pretty solid weekend. Tanahashi had a solid weekend, um, but there was one person that I think stood out of everybody. And that man is none other than L.I.J. Sonata. What a weekend for this man. What a wonderful weekend for Sonata. What a career-making performance this weekend. This man had to beat his own former best friend in evil. The man who defected from L.I.J. months ago, about, about four months ago? Somewhere around there? Defected. Defeated his own, his former leader. Right? And took the double championship away from Naito. Naito comes back, of course, in Jingu, wins back the championships, and then we get to B block final. Having to be this own best former best friend to get to the final and then have that kind of performance that he had against Kota Ibushi for 35 minutes. I mean, I can't be mad at that performance. That personally, to me, was the best performance of the weekend, and that deserves MVP honors for Sonata. You can't, it can't be denied. It cannot be denied. Congratulations to Sonata for one hell of a performance this weekend, mi amigo. Which leads me to my final grade. For my money, I can honestly say G1 Climax Finals Weekend, without a doubt, beat SummerSlam Weekend. It easily beat SummerSlam Weekend. That was just too easy. It beat WrestleMania Weekend by a landslide. I think I gave WrestleMania Weekend a C+, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But this far and and away, honestly, shit all over WrestleMania weekend, shit all over SummerSlam weekend. And I would say this gives Wrestle Kingdom 15 weekend, Wrestle Kingdom 14, I should say, I'm sorry, a run for its money. It really does. And this is why I'm giving the entire, and I'm grading the entire weekend as a whole. Because it's all G1. I'm grading it at A-. A-. This was a wonderful weekend of professional wrestling. 
and one that New Japan should easily hang their hats on. Easily hang their hats on. They should be very happy with everything that came out. Every, everything that happened within the weekend and how everything came out. Especially now that we're going to go into World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors. And knowing that we're going to get a two-day event with Wrestle Kingdom. That means there's a lot of storylines they can actually work with. Gato's got a lot of work to do. Since he is the head booker of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's got a lot of work to do between now and Wrestle Kingdom 15 on the 4th and the 5th of January next year. He's got a lot of work to do. But if any, if there's any organization that really did themselves a service this entire weekend, it was none other than New Japan Pro Wrestling. They did a damn good job with, with the A block. They killed it with the A block. Osprey defecting from chaos was one of the major headlines. Ibushi uh, getting into the final by way of Jay White losing to Ishii. That was fantastic. Now that kind of starts sparks that um, Bullet Club infighting between Evil and Jay White for supremacy of the Bullet Club. Of course, the Bullet Club is always infighting somewhere. Ask Cody Rhodes, Adam Cole, and uh, Kenny Omega how that worked out for him. Um, so they they did a lot a lot going into it. B block, you had um, Tanahashi getting one over on Zack Saber Jr. That's going to be a thing. Um, you had, of course, Sonata and Evil. You know their last match. Kenta spoiling the party for Naito. To prevent Naito from going to the G1 final to face Ibushi. There was so much that came out of that. And of course, final and of course, final day on Sunday. The card itself was solid. And of course, ending with the with Kota Ibushi going to his third consecutive final and repeating as a G1's climax winner. You can't go wrong with that whatsoever. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is gonna conclude episode 263 of the YLP podcast. When we come back. We're going to close up the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 264 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 263 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast. As always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, opinions about this weekend's G1 Climax Finals Weekend, anything at all, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective, anchor.fm slash Radio. Leave a comment over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, and as always, shout out to APS Squadron, led by our very own Will Shook. and of course, if you want to do so, in fact, if you want to do so, uh, head over, make sure you hit me up with an email over at Young Lions Perspective at gmail.com I'm trying to get a whole batch of uh, emails together and I'm going to try to do what I want to do uh, down the line is have a full on uh, Q&A uh, through my email and so on that nature so definitely send in your uh, questions or anything you like as well and of course if you have anything like that and I'm, and I'm enjoying what you bring to the table picking up what you put down I'll have no problem answering your question for a future episode 
of the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, all the alt tech, including the gaps, the parlors. Make sure you share it through DMs. Make sure you share it through a text message. And don't forget, you can use Facebook Messenger as well. Because in these quarantine times, we are trying to be a good source of entertainment. That grandma hug after a hard day's work. Or if you're still trying to find work or anything of that matter, we are here for you to provide you solid entertainment to keep you from getting those thoughts. Mental health is important. And we are here to ensure, ensure you get prime entertainment every single day of the week from the squadron themselves because we are simply just not here to just have fun. We do. But we're trying to provide value through our, uh, our podcast and we are not trying to only be the cure for the common wrestling podcast. We are trying to be 100% without a doubt the absolute then, now, and forever thing alternative professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay now i know most of y'all do not have the anchor app and that's perfectly fine y'all hurt my feelings whatsoever everybody has their favorite apps for their podcasting listening needs but if you think we're just simply all about anchor.fm and ambiguous podcast solutions.com my friend you are sadly mistaken because remember i quite some time I'll have you know that we are now officially part of Amazon Music and Audible. Yes, the two, two of the biggest podcasting podcast listening platforms in the world. We are now part of WrestleMania Radio is now partnered with Amazon Music and Audible. And what a beautiful partnership this is. Shout out to Amazon Music and Audible for having us be part of the squad. That means if you have Amazon Music, you're able to listen to our pod, any of our podcasts that includes all the WrestleMania Radio family. Not just myself, but definitely make sure you listen to my podcast because you know it'd be like that. And make sure you check it out on Audible as well. They are known for audio books, but they are not part of the podcast as much as well. And check it out over there. Show some love, share it. If they do reviews over there, leave a review. Leave a review. Top notch quality is what we try to bring over here. Hopefully, we can that we get top notch reviews. And not just Amazon Music, it can also be found on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Podcast, and Player Recommend, Podbean. Mm-mm-mm, that good old Podbean. Shout out to the Podbean squadron over there. Overcast, Breaker, Castbox FM, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for all the Wrestle Addict Radio podcasts across all these different platforms. You should have no problem finding us whatsoever. Ever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, I am quite active on the social media nowadays, trying my best. But if you want to find me over on the Twitter sphere, I can now be found in my new Twitter handle at YL Perspective, capital YLP Perspective. Mm-hmm. Where all my wrestling shenanigans go down, I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night. SmackDown Live is what I do what I love to tweet about on Friday nights. And again, I'll, I'll let you guys know if I have a prior engagement to attend to or if I'm just, you know, not up for it or something is going on in my life, personal life. 
I'll let you guys know beforehand. I also do live tweeting for every WWE live pay-per-view. Every AEW live pay-per-view. And in two weeks, in less about two weeks' time, we got full gear coming up. And you know your boy is going to be live tweeting all over that. Every NXT and NXT UK TakeOver special. And of course, unfortunately, your boy was enjoying some sleep over the weekend. But I did catch up on NJPW. But if it's 3.30 in the morning and I come... I have to wake up, go to the bathroom, and can't go back to sleep. I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to find me over the Instagram side of things, I can be found at young underscore lions underscore perspective. All the updates. I just put an update on my stories. Um, all the shows that you can catch yourself up on from last week if you haven't listened to this one yet. But make sure you catch up on all the stuff so you inform about everything I got going on with that. Okay. And leave me some memes. Memes are great. Drop in my DMs. Leave me some memes. If I like, if I, if I like your meme, I'm putting it on my page, tagging every single member of the Wrestle Act Radio family in there, and you will get your 15 minutes of pure and magnificent excellence. And of course, I do. I still have a Facebook. Yes, I have a Facebook. I was planning on deleting it actually about nine months ago, but I became part of the Wrestle Act Radio family, and I figured I'll keep it around for a while. And you can find me over there at Young Lions Perspective, or simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Like the page, share the page, and make sure you're damn sure follow the page. We have over 100 followers over there, and as always, thank you so much for your followage, patronage, and love and support. Okay? I know. I haven't updated it yet. It'd be like that. My apologies. I'll get it going. <laughs> it's, it takes a lot. Facebook's a little bit different in terms of their updating, so i got to do it on the laptop. We'll figure it all out. We'll get it all sorted. But make sure you follow me on all these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Let me look over to the judges to ensure I fulfilled all my obligations for today. And I'm going to look over to the Ireland side. And I believe uh, we are getting a thumbs up over there. So for episode 264 tomorrow, yes, it will be a brand spanking new episode of last week, this week, where I discuss what went down with last week's episode of NXT and get you primed and ready for this week's episode of the Black and Gold Standard as we'll be one week, almost one week away from NXT Halloween Havoc going down next Wednesday. And I'm quite excited for that, as well you should. But if if I cannot find a preview for that, then we'll discuss uh, a little bit of news involving NXT and may help us out on what we're going to be watching for this week's episode. So we'll figure all that from there. Other than that, guys, if you're going to be watching Raw tonight, my condolences to your sanity as always. If you're going to be watching Monday Night Football, two big games going down tonight. And I will give you my predictions right now. If I remember correctly, we have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to take the victory tonight with a final score of 33-24. to And, of course, in the nightcap, it's the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Dallas Cowboys and, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with my NFC West rivals on this one. I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals to take it 28-25. to 25. Should be good, two, two good matchups. Uh, definitely will help me in my fantasy league tonight. Hopefully I get the victory on that. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your Monday. And I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. for episode 264 of the YLB Podcast. See you. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.